gonna grant you four minutes to be off planet, but then you come right back to us. To infinity and beyond. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. And Oscar's profile for you today, the new movie Lightyear is on tap. We have both taken it in, and we are here to review it for you. I am your co-host, Mike Wan. This is co-host, also Mike. Yeah, so this is a strange Oscars profile from us. It kind of is one of those where we just like, all right, we have to do a movie. Let's do this movie. (laughs) And because we did the other movies, we have to do this movie. But we didn't do all the other movies. Like, Turning Red is a superior film. Pixar fans. As far as Pixar goes, yeah. Watch Turning Red. No matter matter what we say in this episode, Turning Red, that's the movie. You even get, like, lifelike dumplings, and you get to watch people eat them, and it's delicious. Like, Mm. this movie, it's like reverse sandwiches and... It's not fun for anybody. You didn't like the reverse sandwiches in this movie? I did like I did like the reverse sandwiches. <laughs> Who am I kidding? But it's not as good as dumplings. So in the hierarchy of also Mike food appeal, it goes dumplings, reverse sandwiches. Anything in between there? I will make a reverse sandwich in the near future, especially with pickles, because that looked great. It's too much bread. It is probably too much bread. It's definitely yeah. too much bread by our diets. Yeah. They're not wrong. Yeah. Around, and that's that's where I'm going to land, is that character needs their own spin-off series. There you uh, go. Darby Steele there. But we'll get into all of that and more. If you've not joined us before for an Oscars Profile episode, you get two reviews for one episode. We will The first half of every Oscars Profile episode is a non-spoiler review. So we're not going to give anything away about the plot of Lightyear itself. We'll hold up an Oscars lens, let you know what categories it may contend for, give you some of the background and some of the box office as well as the performances that went into this movie. We'll have a spoiler warning at the midway point in the second half will be all spoiler filled so if you've not made it to the theater to see Lightyear yet don't worry we're not going to ruin it or spoil it for you in the first half of this episode this is the 26th Pixar film the 25th like you said Mike was turning red this is the first one that's been in theaters in a while and it's probably surprisingly low as far as turnout goes right grossed only 84.2 million worldwide in its first weekend including 50 Point five at the domestic box office. That's only good enough for second place behind Jurassic World Dominion, which nabbed another $59 million, crossing over like six forty for its two-week cumulative there. A light year pulled in that 50 after projections were running anywhere from 70 to 85. Yeah. Look, you and I had the over-under as low as 675 at one point. I think we reluctantly went to 750 because projections were as high as 875 800 mm-hmm. from most of the major trades michael and we both picked the under we we did peg this one i would say i think we were a little even a little over i don't know that 675 is even what this is going to end up doing no. what what did you think as in terms of domestic box office for this one what was going on in your head well i was thinking around 300 with the 675 mm-hmm. But now it's probably almost in the 230, 240 range is where it'll wind up. Yeah. Do you, do you have any differing opinions on that? Uh, well, like I said, the biggest ones, the biggest box offices, when we did the over-under episode, the biggest box offices for the blockbusters tend to go, you know, two to four X times opening. And for this one to sniff 300, that means it's going to have to do a six X what it did on its opening weekend just domestically. I don't know that that's going to be possible. So, yeah, probably like 220 if it catches fire and stays consistent something like that brave did 66 million and its opening did 237 cars 353 
in its domestic only opening only did 152. I think it depends on the film, the legs of the movie. Like something like Coco did 50 million, winds up doing 210, really good international play, 597, 807 total. Something like The Good Dinosaur does 40 million as an opening. That that only makes 330 worldwide. Cars 3, The Good Dinosaur, those pitter out whereas like The Braves and the and the Cocos and even the Inside Outs, which only did Inside Out only did 90, Monsters U did 82, but those had legs, mm-hmm. especially with the international box office. Lightyear is already handicapped with the fact that it's not playing in China, not playing in Russia, not playing in Saudi Arabia, right. and however many markets that are boycotting it just based on sh- strictly prejudi- uh, prejudicial reasons. And what a and joke, so, by the way. Right. That's, I what, mean, what good are you God. Even talking about? Yeah. Absurd. Absurd that you would just just spit on people like that. I'm just so angry at them uh, overseas yeah. for doing that. It's just, and it's such a non-issue. Right, that's what I mean. Like, the way it's handled, the way the, the same-sex relationship is handled in this movie is, it, it, there's nothing remarkable about it. It's so mild. It's right. almost, I'm almost mad at how unliberal, <laughs> it's right. not liberal, it's not like a I guess, uh, But I guess that's the ideal, right, is you get to a point where it's just so commonplace that nobody makes mention of, but that's, it couldn't have been handled with less fanfare, I guess. Buzz uses a pronoun again and again in one scene, and that's it. That's it. Crazy. He uses the pronoun a little bit repetitively. But look, at uh, critical reception for Lightyear was strong, so it did it did what it needed to do with the critics. 76% Rotten Tomatoes, 236 reviews. The 60 Metascore, okay, fine. It's, okay. it's not terrible. Audience receptions have been good, 85%. Rotten Tomatoes, uh, not good on IMDb, but we've talked about mm-hmm. IMDb being a little wonky wonky of late, for sure, is the nice way to put it. A-minus <laughs> cinema score, though. That is that is very good. Plot premise of Lightyear while spending years attempting to return home, marooned space ranger Buzz Lightyear encounters an army of ruthless robots commanded by Zerg who are attempting to steal his fuel source. Mike, what were your thoughts or expectations going into this movie? So you saw it earlier than I did. Mm-hmm. I think we both kind of expected a higher floor to yeah. this. It's Pixar. It's Buzz Lightyear. It's a very reliable brand. Uh, you seemed not to despise it after you saw it the first time. So I did expect something solid. And, of course, I, I got something solid. I, I hope for something special, though, is what I would say. Yeah, it's tough to expect anything unsolid from Pixar, right? But, yeah, I probably wanted more like you seem to have wanted and i do have some rough spots with this movie overall i i I think that the framing of it is actually works against it sometimes too the first two lines this isn't giving anything away but the first two lines when you're in the theater says that in 1995 a boy named andy received a toy named buzz lightyear from a feature film this is that feature film so this is the film that the buzz lightyear toy comes from within the toy story universe I think so that actually I, works to its detriment sometimes. I took my mom to see it. We we saw it at eight forty last night, mm-hmm. and we we actually like spotted twenty five minutes for the trailers, and we walked into the theater. I think at nine oh three, which was twenty three minutes late, and we were already into the end of the first sequence. And I was so bummed. Really? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess they didn't show as many trailers. Like we're putzing around, getting popcorn and water, figuring that we, you know, Nicole Kidman's just going to be laughing. <laughs> at the screen and we're not going to be watching the movie yet and i've seen every trailer a hundred times that's interesting because i didn't see this at an amc uh but where i saw it i walked in about 
20 minutes late and I, it was fine. Like I, I missed absolutely nothing. Maybe 20 minutes would have been right on, but yeah. I missed the, the title card. So I'm glad you, you talked about that in the opening. Yeah. I think that does add a little nostalgia. However, it reduces the stakes. There's no question about that. Right. And there's, and it, 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 it yes. And there's your improv. It makes mm. some of the twists that are here just completely nonsensical. Yes. So in terms of the overall composition, I do think they bungled a, a certain storyline where they were focused for so much of yes. the film. And the themes are yes. righteous and There's so, so much good about this, Mike. There's so much it. good about this movie. But they actually broke one of their 22 rules of storytelling that I will analyze in the spoiler section because they basically went in service of the theme instead of in service of the story. Right. And they totally deus ex machina a, a certain character set. Unnecessarily, I would say. Yeah, so that that's a bummer. And I did not expect that from Angus McLean. Right. Uh, he's been with Pixar forever since A Bug's Life. He's directed the shorts. He's made his way through the ranks there as a director, getting the co-director spot. I mean, they always have these apprentice directors right. in the co-spot in, in certain films. And he was right next to Andrew Stanton, uh, you know, two-handing Finding Dory, which was a humongous hit in June Giant. back in the day. Mm-hmm. He's also, uh, you know, co-writer of the screenplay with Jason Headley of Onward. This is produced by Galen Sussman. Uh, she has been with Pixar since Ratatouille, producing a ton of big successful films, you know, most notably Toy Story 4. So you have the usual people involved here at, at Pixar, and they're breaking some of their own established rules. So, and I think Doctor was listed in the credits as a producer as well, an EP maybe. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think we spend the entire film in one setting, and I really appreciated the fact that this was a tighter world, a tighter story. I worried that this was going to be kind of sprawling, a Space Odyssey, a, a Star Command, Star Trek kind of thing where they would bounce and globe hop and Rogue One this mm-hmm. and whatever, Star Wars this, and I kind of worried about that. Instead, they focused it, and they had it going so well for a while because this world, you know, hidden behind every nook and cranny. You had another monster. You had another type of character which was fun for a while and then it just got a little stale unfortunately i'm, I'm very curious to get to sport i mean I, I agree with everything you say although at the end when you say stale i would say I, I unless i missed something which is entirely possible but unless i missed something the the big reveal in this had me going where the hell did that come from it just felt so unsubstantiated to me I was very upset with that. I think that's my number one issue. And if you bungle that, if you bungle that, it's a it's a major problem. And it's so unPixar to unsubstantiate something so big in one of their movies, right? And they they had it going in such a manageable fashion, mm-hmm. which is the surprising thing. And Disney's been doing a great job with a lot of storylines this way, even though the backdrop is enormous and time travel, as as you know uh, from watching the trailers of this, time travel is a backdrop. So you have that expansive backdrop to the Lightyear storyline where you could play and have fun with it. And they do, but they kind of just skip a lot of steps. And they don't, they don't ground it. They don't well, foreshadow yeah, it. Deus Ex time travel. 
I mean, right. it's, it's time travel as it appeals to only our story, the one storyline we need it for, you know. And, and unfortunately, it's all in service of the theme, which, again, right. I get. the And it works. That works. I get the ends justifying the means in that regard, but mm-hmm. it's a bummer. It's yeah. a bummer because you didn't tell us. You didn't get us there with the story and the reveal. Right. Uh, Mike, we have uh, a bunch of performances. The voice actors are very good. Chris Evans is Buzz, Kiki Palmer is Izzy, Taika Watiti, Uzo Aduba, James Brolin, we have Isaiah Whitlock, Bill Hader, and then uh, animation regulars like Peter Sohn is Sox, he's the Ratatouille guy, he's been a Pixar voice animator. If you listen to our uh, MMO Does Pixar, what did we call that? Pixar Rewatch Pixar series. Rewatch series, there you go, yeah. Yeah, Dale Sulez is Darby Steele, Peter Sohn, some really talented voice actors in this. Yeah. But... I'll be honest with you. I had some problems with the ensemble. Did you? That's interesting because yeah. I was really sold on the on the four main characters or the five main characters of this, and I was worried about them going in. I was really sold on the two and a half main characters because I like Buzz and I like the Hawthorns, even though I have a few problems with Buzz. Okay. Ta- Taika Waititi's Mo and Dale Sulez's Darby, even though they're funny and the Mike, one, I would die for Darby. The one joke, <laughs> one note. You keep hitting that note, and you keep hitting that joke, and you keep laughing, but there's just not a lot of depth there. It's very shallow characters, and I think it would have been funnier to have, How dare you? Wait a minute. You're saying Darby is a shallow character? It's a shallow character. The felon on the run who we know nothing about their backstory? (laughs) Completely shallow. Oh, my God. I want a 10-part series about that character. She's reckless. Moe's clumsy. They're yin yang. <laughs> They're opposite sides of the spectrum. So it's, oh it's man, this effing. hurts me to hear. Well, I don't mind them, but I don't need. I don't need to see their like climaxes later in the movie because there are none, and they happened kind of in mid act two anyway. Like, what are we doing? I mean, you're not wrong, but selfishly, I was fine. Like, I, I have never related more to a character than I did Darby in this movie. <laughs> just... Yeah, but you relate your the height of your relatability happened middle of the movie. It doesn't really need to you don't need to carry it to the end of the film. Like So you you're saying the payoff that those characters get at the very end of Act Three is a little much for you to swallow? Is that what you're trying to say? I'm saying we I'm trying to find common got... ground with you because I agree we, with that. We already part. we already got it. We uh, yeah. already got it. Yeah, you're not payoff. wrong. You're not wrong. I agree. I agree. Their problems are very small. Their, you know, their complexes are very simple. I think when you have a 15-character ensemble in Toy Story and you write T-Rex to have, you know, this one point of comedic irony as his character, his entire character, then you could play that out. Or Slinky Dog has one thing about his sure, character. Sure. But when you're on, when you only have four main characters or five in this particular story because Taika of the two yeah, Taika Watiti is only the pen gag. You have to yeah. have more to those, you know, to characters four and five. There needs to be more to them, in my opinion. I agree with you. I agree about the Taika character. I would watch a 17-part miniseries on Disney Plus about Darby's character. I'm glad, I, and I hope we get her. I hope we get the adventures of Star Command with Darby and Mo. Her just and we stealing get to, things and getting caught and going back in jail. Yes, I sign me up. I hope we get to explore those characters uh, much more. Uh, in terms of the production values, though, we have next-level animation here. This is, is this not the best-looking Pixar movie you've ever seen? The innovations come with this movie in the fact that McLean brings his entire animating crew to NASA on field trips, to the fact that they want to animate space travel 
in a realistic fashion that does not copy the Star Warses and and what we've seen in science fiction up till now. I think that was the most inspired part of this, and certainly uh, something that you know we've studied with recent films and loved when they pull it off from First Man to Apollo Eleven. Mike, yeah. the fact that Buzz is in that you know, shot in the foreground and we're watching that cloud of rocket smoke behind him. Mm-hmm. I it was it was absolutely gorgeous. It floored me. It's worth a nomination in animated feature right there. I, that's I could not agree with anything more. I mean, this is the best looking Pixar film I think I have ever seen on especially on the big screen. And the visuals of this are so similar to something like First Man, where it's almost crazy that you're watching a cartoon or something computer animated, the way the lighting is used, the way the camera moves, the way the shadows and the blocking of the light is used. It looks like you're actually in a spaceship at times, coming over the horizon as the sun paints the inside and it's it's like drop dead gorgeous stuff. And for Pixar who has always been on the cutting edge of drop dead gorgeous visuals we go back to Monsters, Inc., how they had to animate each individual hair on Mikey's thing, and we talked about that in the MMO uh, Pixar rewatch series as well. Uh, we've always focused, hyper-focused on what Pixar does because they are so incredible. This is, I mean, this is a new mountaintop for them. For a company that keeps making new visual mountaintops, this is the latest one. However you feel about this movie, I would recommend going to see it in theaters just to literally watch it. Like, put earplugs in if you don't care about the story, but you have to watch it. This is like Ad Astra type stuff. It's worth seeing in a big screen. Absolutely, 100% agree with that. And the fact that half of this, if not more, was done at home during the pandemic. Yeah, by, great point. They had two Korean animators heading up the team there doing this at home remotely. It just puts my jaw on the floor uh, to see the final product that way. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, and that was one of the things, like, I had two takeaways right away as I left the theater. I texted you. I was like, this is the best-looking Pixar movie I've ever seen. It may be the most unsubstantiated in terms of plot. That was my other thing. But this is the best-looking movie I think that company has ever made, and I stand by it. I think the film editing is solid. Anthony Greenberg, he's been in Pixar editorial departments forever. He did The Incredibles. And this feels like an action-adventure story with a really strong pace to it, with a really fun pace to it. The sequences really blend together. I actually was looking through the you know, the annals of the film editing category, and a Pixar film has never been nominated. But this, if it was a bigger hit, I would say this should have some, some uh, possibilities uh, in terms of film editing because... It is what the Academy has loved before. Like, we see some sequences here, space travel, time travel, action scenes that the Academy has awarded in in the previous years, last year included with Dune, that this film matches that. So kudos to Anthony Greenberg. I was was in love with the editing of this film. Are you more, more impressed by the editing or the sound? The sound design is always good. I just don't notice the sound. Okay. I think... But I did do a, a history of the sound design for uh, for Pixar and the Academy. So Soul was nominated in 2020. Before that, you got they had a run, Mike. They had Toy Story 3, Up, Wally. All three got editing. Wally also got mixing. Ratatouille at 07 got both. The Incredibles is Pixar's lone winner in the sound categories where it won editing with nominees in both editing and mixing. Nemo, Monsters, Inc. Uh, were also nominated in 03 and 01. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times 
uh, we, you know, eight different films rather got nominated in sound design since the onset of Pixar. That's incredible. It also speaks to it seems to be kind of the case where the box office needs to aid in getting the the cartoon movie to that next place. I mean, it didn't right. wasn't the case for Soul. Obviously, we were in the middle of the pandemic that only came out in Disney Plus. But it, it seems like the the more high stakes the uh, the box office return is for Pixar, the more likely it is to land that second nomination. So what do you think this movie winds up at? Do you think this is a $500 million film? Over under $500 million right now. Mm, that's a good number. Uh, look, gun to my head, I would still say over just because I do think, I mean, these movies tend to play well internationally regardless of the fact that you're missing a couple big markets. Mm-hmm. And if this one gets to like 220, 230, you're talking about does it, can it, can it get to... 52% of its box office, you know, can the domestic account for 48, 47% of its total box office for a $500 million gross? I would say, yeah. So I'd say over, but if it's under, I'm not going to be surprised at this point because it seems to be like word of mouth has kind of beaten this one out a little bit where people are kind of dour and down on it already. I hate to say it, but I think I would go the under, slightly under, but I think uh, I, I think I'm rooting for it to go over because it's a good enough film to go over. In terms of Oscar noms, you know, point five. I guess one point five. One point five. I'd be under. I'd be even more of a dick, and I'd say one. I'd make you pick. Yeah, I think you it's know what I mean. Because animated seems to be obvious, right? So there's your one that seems to be a lock animated feature, and then it's basically: Do you think it's going to go over one, or do you think it's going to go under? I'm not going to give you the option of pushing. Animated is it's a it's a stronger category than you'd think with what's still to come this year. Uh, you got Turning Red, which should be a nominee all day. Yep. You got the Sea Beast coming out on Netflix yep. pretty soon. You got Pinocchio coming out yep. on Netflix later. You got uh, something from Disney, like the rest. What's uh, Disney's got some, a couple things. Strange World. I don't know what's animated, what's not. Why didn't we come up with an animated feature feel today for this episode? I'm I'm just lazy. All right, so I'm going to awards ace uh, to figure this out. Apollo Ten and a Half was a letdown. Yep. I have not seen Bob's Burgers. DC League of Super Pets. He has high in the clouds. Like, are these going to compete with a Lightyear? I mean, it's still a Buzz Lightyear. It's still a Toy Story property. Minions. I would think just on prestige alone, it's going to get in. I would say My Father's Dragon, Pinocchio, those look the part. Turning Red, that's three. Strange World is the big Disney player. Mm-hmm. Coming later, that's four. Is there a world where Lightyear gets boxed out by a High in the Clouds, by a Studio Ghibli film, by another Netflix film, by an art film? Not the house, but maybe another film boxes it. Escape from Hat, as you predicted. That's a great name. (laughs) Great name. Great movie. Maybe Wendell and Wilde, the Jordan Peele movie. He's just too irresistible to Academy members. It's possible. It's possible that Lightyear gets the short end of the stick. There's no no doubt, but I, I would say it probably gets in. I would agree. I'd be very. I'd be surprised if this doesn't get, make a nomination for the animated f- feature category. I mean, if it doesn't make animated feature, it's not making anything else. That's for sure. Right. It's not getting Michael Giacchino, your boy right. Giacchino. Uh, it's not getting an original song. It doesn't really have one. It, it kind of marketed the uh, David Bowie Starman song as its main mm-hmm. major play there, major hook. And the, the that- original song that is the the. You know, Avengers type soundtrack that they tie, try to tie into this. Mm-hmm. I found did not play well for me anyway. Listening to the credits, they just played it over and over and over, and I was like, "Eh, it's not really that catchy." I didn't think. 
No, it, it serves the action of the story. It just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't live on its own. I would yeah. agree. So yeah, it's probably a one um one or none. Boomer bust. Boomer bust. Let's bust it up with spoilers. Spoilers ahead. This is a spoiler warning. This is the spoiler section for the movie Lightyear, the Oscars profile episode brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you've seen the movie already, this is where you want to be. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause on us. Go check it out at your local theater. We'll be here waiting for you to hit play on us when you get back. All spoilers all the time from this point out. The movie Lightyear, the Oscars profile episode brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Michael, did I miss something about this time travel other buzz thing being possible? So, first of all, the time travel does not make sense. No you sense, have, right? You have older Buzz who says, yada, yada, yas it in the explanation. He says, I broke time. <laughs> Congratulations. But what is, so, but you don't explain it. If you break time, when you put it back together, when you go back and change one timeline, are you completely gone, poof, and you just save for another Buzz? And so, if that's the case, why are you a villain? antagonizing this buzz the big reveal of this we alluded to is that it turns into a time travel movie old buzz our current our buzz lightyear fights zerg and it's discovered that zerg is a robot literally a robot who is being controlled by a older buzz lightyear who has been time traveling why number one why why is older buzz lightyear why is he in a Zerg suit? Why is he not just older Buzz Lightyear in a Buzz suit? Is there any reason for that? No. And you mean to tell me that this is the movie that Andy saw in 1995 and he was still fighting with Buzz against Zerg as action figures? They weren't selling Zerg with old Buzz Lightyear inside as an action figure? Of course figure? not. Of course not. <laughs> of course, if Andy saw this garbage, he would look at current Buzz Lightyear and say, wait a minute, do I really think right. he's a man wrestling with himself? And it, and you know what? My Not a parents, children's movie. My parents are workaholics, and they shouldn't be. And they shouldn't they shouldn't work so hard. They right. should allow themselves to make a mistake. Maybe and, their divorce is my fault. Yeah. Like. Maybe, maybe I could contribute to this family more. No, he would have a much more mature slash effed up you know, slightly askew version of of this buzz, but he would not be thinking about good guy versus bad guy, which is obviously what the spaceman versus evil robot thing is. Like, why would you zap the whole fun out of an evil robot? Just have an evil robot. Yeah, that's What's what I'm saying. Deal? And, and, and so, did I miss? Was time travel not introduced at all until old buzz is revealed? But yeah, no, I'm asking time- sincerely. Did I miss it? Like, I don't. This this to me seemed like it was a movie that was mo- moving along, moving along. It was obviously building up to some kind of reveal having to do with Zerg. And then out of nowhere, it's old Buzz, and old Buzz said, oh yeah, by the way, I time travel. I think somebody said something like, where I guess theoretically we could travel through time if we, okay. if we go fast enough. I didn't like it minute. in Avengers Endgame. <laughs> here, hold on here. Hold on. Yeah, I know. Yeah, this is exactly what we need. We were trying to. Do this is what I what I wanted today. to. This conversation is what I said we can't do with Avengers Endgame. We want we a time travel debate. No, no, <laughs> we're both on the same page here. And the fact that I think it's silly that they they just yada yada the time travel aspect of it without building up to it, and then all of a sudden you have 
time travel as a possibility, but you open up all right. of the time travel tropes that we've seen in every movie. And when you apply any of those tropes to this movie, it really doesn't work and they don't care. And do we, do kids even understand it? If you and me don't understand it. Well, it's, uh, it's totally unsubstantiated. First of all, probably because we're far less intelligent than children these days, but <laughs> it is completely unsubstantiated. And I don't, my stance has always been with time traveling movies. Just give me your rules, and I'll I'll yeah. watch the movie. Like, give me your rules for time travel for this world, and that's what I'll play by. So it gives me a better understanding. This is kind of like we're just going to use time travel as our get out of jail card here to introduce the an actual antagonist because we don't have one yet. We don't have an antagonist that means enough to the theme of the story. Sure, and therefore, well, but it's so dumb because they could just make an evil robot need time to time yes. travel. Yes. Of course if they the, could. If the evil robot needs to time travel and get the fuel source... Just run Endgame back. Have the big reason. purple alien from space time travel. <laughs> yeah, it's... What the hell? We saw the Galaxy Quest. The evil alien just needed to time travel. <laughs> Galaxy Quest is a great movie. Great. Not good. Great. Just have the evil alien need to time travel and you're fine. It's, and- and thematically, it works, like you were saying in the non-spoiler section. Like, you're, you're going this battle within yourself to find purpose and meaning in life. Right. And, and have, you know, are you, are you more than just your job? Are you more than just your professional? Like, thematically, that's all good. That's all good right. stuff, and it works. And, that, and having it be an older Buzz who's time-traveling does fit that theme, but it just breaks the story. It's completely out of left field. Buzz became so consumed with the job that he ignored his friends and he missed out on their entire lives at this barren planet that they get stuck on forever now, (laughs) by the way. But look, I mean, rule number three, rule number three of the 22 rules of Pixar storytelling says this. It says, trying for theme is important, but you won't see what the story is actually about till you're at the end of it. Now rewrite, re, now rewrite. So if you're going to use this plot just for the theme of it, yeah. which fits, which jives, you, you're completely breaking that big rule, that major rule. It's rule number three. It's not rule number 21. Right. What are they doing? Pixar's, so, what is there, 27 rules of storytelling, they said? Uh, right, no, twenty-two, but then it's not even foreshadowed, Mike. I get that Buzz monologues to himself, which is fine. That's my biggest funny. issue with it. But there's no foreshadowing. It's all of a sudden, Dad. No, yeah. you're not Dad. You're me. Oh my God. Which, by the we... way, if I were to come across an older version of me, my first instinct wouldn't be that it's my father. <laughs> <laughs> no, me neither. Maybe. Right? Well, like, yeah. <laughs> I do so. look a lot like my dad, but well, no. sure, yeah, but nonetheless. <laughs> uh, but all right, so what? What's the morality of this, and what's the actuality of this? Number one, when he fixes the old timeline, does does he go poof and that's gone, and he just he no longer exists? This Buzz? this is uh, I'm talking I, about younger Buzz. Like right. if Buzz fixes it. Like, I, I don't understand. And if he gets rid of his older self and he kills his older self, isn't that morally wrong as well? I guess it's not because he's... <laughs> well, he's not... I don't know if you stayed till the end, but there is a post credit scene of Zerg relighting up, his eyes relighting up while floating in space. So he's not dead because it's Pixar. 
But these questions of what actually happens when you do like that, that's my horror. That's my actual nightmare. Cause I agree. You have to, like your natural inclination is going to be that, to be, to ask those. And if you give us no rules whatsoever to play in your sandbox of time travel with, then people are going to ask whatever the hell they want. And you're not going to have any, there's no defense of this movie right now. They didn't tell us what their time travel rules are. They did not tell us what their time travel rules are. It could be boiled down in that. You're absolutely right. Uh, in terms of the major plot lines, through lines and themes, look, their modest operandi in Pixar history has been to argue away the op, you know, obvious objection in terms of Marvel and Pixar, etc. And it and you're supposed to in rule number 12 discount the first thing that comes to mind while you're writing this. And the second, third, fourth, fifth. Mm-hmm. Get the obvious out of the way and surprise yourself. And, of course, this all applies during the writing process. So if you have so many obvious things happening in the story, obvious, predictable things, they don't follow their own rules, Mike. It's very frustrating. And and I tell you what, scenes and sequences, I enjoyed them because you have fallible main characters. Mm-hmm. So you have characters screwing up. And Buzz is a screw-up. And that's yes. great. So what does he learn from that? Does he stay stubborn? Does he rationalize it out of it? He's, he's so one-track minded about everything. And we're supposed to believe that he immediately has a mea culpa? <laughs> like every single time one of these kids, you know, corrects him on something, he has to be dead wrong every single time. And these kids are absolutely right every single time what kind of a mentor hero is we are getting to the point with these nostalgia products and this new age of like call it wokeness if you want where it is i mean it's becoming absurd that these nostalgic characters who are now the mentor heroes in these new properties are so dumb (laughs) and so faulty for everything they do that it's impossible (laughs) that they would reach these plateaus of success like this guy wouldn't be a space ranger Maverick right. wouldn't be Maverick with the, the type of intelligence he showed right, in, the la- easy, in that movie. Easy well, I'm there, just saying, Tiger. like, look, Maverick <laughs> had, had, how many times did Maverick tell those stupid kids to get off his lawn and to, how to do it? Maverick taught those kids way more than those kids taught Maverick. But the exception to the rule is that sometimes the kids teach Maverick something. It should be weighted in that regard. <laughs> like, Buzz shouldn't be learning five lessons to It'll every be a cold one day in to... hell before you insult top gun maverick in my presence that's right sir. that's right that's right because it's disproportionate i agree with what... you i agree it's... with you this is not equally proportionate buzz learns five harsh lessons <laughs> for every one that he teaches these kids which should not be the case buzz is a flailing absolutely just neutralized hero in the story and i'm not against that necessarily but don't put him in a mentor hero situation. It's the wrong story to make him a mentor hero when he's just flailing around like a like an idiot the entire film. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what the interpretation could have been if they didn't want him to be like the mentor of this ragtag group. Because it's very easy. You can make him like a Leslie Nope of action heroes you can make him like spy melissa mccarthy and spy and oh no 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 i, I get that there's super yeah, capable yeah there are options i'm wondering if they thought they were doing something else is my is you what could, i was trying to get yeah at. you could you could show him to be super capable most of the time but have a blind spot 
but, but you don't think that's what they were going for. You don't think that's they, what the interpretation they, they were going for. No, because yeah. they're just like they want to pump up these side characters, which is great. And again, I I, I do think it's a, a whole problem with just there's just too many white people, too many white <laughs> people in charge of everything. The white people have minority supporting cast members, and they're afraid to make them fallible beyond a very simple way, a very simple dimension, one dimension. Like we again, we, yeah, we have. Yeah, you're. I, th- I think that is actually a huge issue. I it's, agree. It's the it, we've seen this a hundred thousand times with every Zalian script yep. and friggin' Spielberg movie in the history of Hollywood. We've had the white cr- male director just fail miserably to round the supporting cast of characters because they don't want to, you know. Right which isn't a bad harsh. thing, but like you're not getting, they're not getting the other part of that, which is yeah. bring more diversity into the writers' room. The more diversity in the writers' room, more diversity behind the director's right. chair, and guess what? The people are not like you're not afraid to criticize the the white Buzz Lightyear in this character to a fall. And again, it's not a, it's not an issue. You know, I don't have an issue with that. If we criticize Buzz Lightyear, let him be a you know fool hero a little bit. That's fine. And if he's a trickster hero down, you know, if you had a trickster hero, that's how you'd play it. He's not a trickster hero. He's just left to the point where all of a sudden when he shows some super capability, like he's flying through the air. All right. I guess he showed that based on all the tests. But you're almost thinking BS because he does something right. Finally, he fails so miserably up to that if it wasn't such a he seems so incapable that it's stunning he does something successful if the vfx wasn't so damn good but i mean for someone like the hawthorne character not alicia the the izzy izzy Mm -hmm. the the granddaughter Mm -hmm. she's written better like izzy and alicia were written better i thought just make them the main characters why is buzz the main character which is usually the go-to with these things in these days as well but that's that's your whole problem. If you if you don't write the main character properly, you're 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 sunk. You're sunk. And the, and if you don't understand your main character, which it seems like they put the Deus Ex Machina twist on the villain, which shows me that they don't understand the main character. They're just grasping at straws to identify that main character with Buzz more. If if you're that lost, then you don't know how to build your ensemble cast around said main character. Hence the problems with the ensemble cast. Do you think they thought they had done enough to substantiate the time travel explanation by no. having the? They yada yada and they yada. But, you yada know, but, this but the, the, the whole idea of Buzz skipping time and never aging, but like time goes forward on Earth too. Basically, you know what I mean. That was cool and that was simple. And do we you all think got they're that. like they expect us to get from that that there's that time travel is possible because of yeah. that's present? Yeah. But how did they get there? Did they travel yes. time to get there? If they had to use hyperspace to travel this far into this barren planet for whatever reason, did that that's what they did? They time traveled from their regular timeline to get there? And that's what these crystals do. These crystals ultimately time travel if you go fast enough. Or did they break a rule? Like, we don't get any of those details. And they do have lines in the script, but they don't explain it. And they certainly don't pay, you know, pay it off, unfortunately. And the payoffs are just jumping 10 different directions. I, so, I truly stunned at how unsubstantiated, like how it, it felt like this movie, this script was just like, all right, do we have an idea? How do we get out of this? What happens next? Uh, he's a, it's a, he faces himself. It's a time travel thing. Beautiful. Write it up. Done. I appreciate them writing themselves into corners and that's, that's ambitious. And I think Pixar 
will do that to themselves and I applaud them for doing it. I just think you need clever you need cleverer solutions. And you really yeah, got to understand this studio is like outside of outside of Cars 2, which was just a mess, and outside of the good dinosaur which had its moments, like I can't remember being so let down by a story from Pixar. Like right. Pixar is usually the story studio. So rule number 14 of the 22 rules of storytelling. Why must you tell this in capital letters, this story? Why must you tell this story? What's the belief burning within you that your story feeds off of? That is the heart of it. So why are they telling the story? It almost in my Money cynical grab. brain, you could say this is to reboot yep. the franchise yep. because four made just as it made the same billion dollars that the three made. And now you have June coming along and you need to reboot Buzz Lightyear and you either want three more movies or you want a super uh, successful Disney Plus series. That's the only reason, right? Because yeah. you di- didn't give a darn when you said, oh, Andy, watch this story when he saw the movie and got the toy. That's Which isn't a even a bad reason. premise. That's that's a clever premise, but you assassinate the reality of that premise within the meta story of the Toy Story world by having this reveal. That reveal is for like a 30-minute segment, which they did in Toy Story 2 because that was the video game that Andy was playing at the beginning of huh. Toy Story 2. You already did this whole enterprise in Story Tor- Toy Story 2, right? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So this was just a completely superfluous film, even though a lot of it's done well. I just I'm bummed. And and rule number sixteen: What are the stakes? Give us a reason to root for the character. What happens if they don't succeed? Stack the odds against him. Yeah. And, well, and if, who gives a shit if Old Buzz loses and dies? <laughs> yeah. Is it a, is a snake eating its own tail? Yeah. Is, is it if 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 Old Buzz succeeds and. He makes it so that he goes poof and he's gone and and younger Buzz <laughs> succeeds. What a because great he ending that would have been. Himself. Imagine if old Buzz wins and just disappears and then we're just staring at the screen. Nothing's That's happening. Should have happened. <laughs> Zerg should have defeated this Buzz Lightyear, killed him with his gamma ray. <laughs> old Buzz wins. Zerg wins. New Buzz succeeds, and then they go on their adventures of Star Command. Yay! And the credits is, credits series. is just real-time Pete Doctor opening a bottle of tequila at his desk and drinking. <laughs> Young Buzz learned that the mission doesn't matter, and only his friends matter. His incompetent, somehow lucky friends, lucky at everything. That's another thing. They're lucky. They continually be lucky, and they barely survive. Like, what, what is that teaching kids? Don't be competent at your jobs, what? especially when it comes to combat and soldiering. What are they teaching kids? Yeah. I'm get, The more I think about this movie, the more it scares me. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I was very frustrated the more I thought about it as well. I, it's just, you know, and I, I, I know the default for us is, oh, we're such story junkies. But I really struggle with thinking of how this got through Pixar. I'm so upset by this being the story that Pixar came out with. It's fast-tracked because it's Buzz Lightyear. It's a Buzz Lightyear solo movie. Chris Evans, Captain America, is going to do the voice of it. It's a little more grounded in reality. Oh, we're going to watch all these NASA flights. We're going to watch all this NASA stuff up close and learn how to animate it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so easily pushed up the ladder 
when it you know it has to it really should have been you know, think about the impossible longer. stories this studio has had to come to terms with and like has storyboarded the hell out of like an earth where, where we're gonna make the best cinematic love story of the past decade with these two robots instead like and, and they pull that off we're gonna have this chef who can't cook unless this rat is conducting him from his head up top under his chef's hat and we're gonna make that work like they've had these impossible tasks against them and they've always worked because that's what pixar does and you have something that should be a freaking layup and buzz light but you're right i think the the cynicism is the place where i land like you, you don't have to make the buzz lightyear prequel or the buzz lightyear origin story or the buzz lightyear movie within the toy story universe but there's money to be made still some good scenes with the space flights as yeah we great stuff great stuff I'd, like not good great hall of fame level visuals uh, the bugs were fun. The vines were fun. The side characters who are, you know, the crewmen and then the new the new chief of the <laughs> he made me laugh by Isaiah Whitlock, mm-hmm. voiced by Isaiah Whitlock, uh, the guy running the whole place. And he's all about the laser wall. And that's funny. <laughs> and 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 Zerg before the reveal, like waiting for Zerg to be revealed and fight Buzz Lightyear. I'm enjoying that immensely. But. You know, you you have, I mean, you have uh, Buzz grinding away at these solo missions, falling into this guilt complex. Oh, and I'm sorry, I didn't mention socks. That cat is adorable. I would die for yes. that robot cat. Yes, absolutely hilarious. Uh, I'm not a cat person, and I still I love that cat. And I when he figured out the uh, when he figured out the the whatever the formula for the for the crystal. After being alone for like twelve years, <laughs> yeah, it's that's really good, there was a, there was some good gags in this. There was really good gags, really funny. I like the the goofy training stuff. I like the incompetent space command got you know folks, including Buzz, and that's fun. That's funny. You got to give more reasons to why they would succeed down the line. You know, maybe or you make it so that they just barely survive, and mm. I get it, but. That's that's the problem. Like if if Buzz is so laser focused, and then these you know newbie recruits immediately change his mind about everything that he's been so laser focused about for all twelve days. Well, how many days is it like twenty days? I guess it's not that long. I mean, when you think about it, for twenty days he goes on these goes on these missions, and that that ha- that's eighty years. <laughs> yeah, something like that. You're right. So it's not like so he has a bad month. <laughs> he's in a funk for two thirds of a month after after he has like a Top Gun Maverick day where quick century you know, goes by. The Top Gun regular nineteen eighty six day. So if, why why am I bringing up the Top Gun now? But remember when Maverick had that quote unquote accident at work? <laughs> remember that nineteen eighty six is Top Gun. Why did you wink and, when you said that? And his. And his uh, powers and the powers that be and his higher up said, get him back out there immediately. Yeah. Well, of course, they, you know, they entrust the, the person, the one person who should not be time traveling to time travel for the next 20 days <laughs> and ruin his life and perhaps everybody else's. So is the explanation know. that there's another buzz just hanging out with the people that this buzz left behind and time traveled forward with? I don't know. I, th- I don't know how they I broke time. All, all old Buzz says is, I, whoops, I broke time, <laughs> and therefore I'm somehow in your timeline. Yeah, we, uh, we, this, is, this is your doctor. You're, uh, you're, you're knocked up. You got uh, <laughs> you to you you quit your job. 
But they're all terrible at their job. Is that the thing? Everybody's terrible at everybody's jobs, and therefore, you know, it's okay. We'll just be friends. Incompetence is going to play a role with these nostalgia projects at some point. The hero being completely incapable and incompetent is going to be a thing. I like here's the thing like the wholesomeness of the metaphor or the wholesomeness of the storyline is that it's okay kids to make a mistake we can get past it we can overcome it yes the mistakes are you are they could be blessings in disguise and what's more important is is your family is your friends is the biz, big picture is the your community we get that but instead of affirming that all of these people other than the Hawthorns, are living like fools <laughs> and, and being silly comic relief characters. And therefore, Buzz's mission is the only mission we know about. And the place is a barren landscape where vines and bugs try to eat you at every turn. So, of course, it would you would think you'd want to get out of there. They, they don't give us any other reason not to want to get out of there. Mike, so it's just like... Oh, no, it's in fact quite the opposite. It seems like people have like made that a livable space and it's a home. Yeah, but we don't see the home. We don't see that. Like, give us, let us see that. I know we get a montage of a happy family, and we get references to the happy family, but Buzz is not given the happy family in this movie. Like, again, I just, you know, I get it. If he's going to suck at his job, you know, give him some better rewards or, or better, you know, reasons. Maybe you don't have to go for broke at your job, or maybe you don't have to go for the you know, the highest, uh, maybe you shouldn't be, if you're the clumsy guy at the office, maybe you shouldn't be in charge of the physical activities. I don't know. That'd be hilarious. If the, if Pixar makes a movie where the, the theme is, you don't have to be the hero. You could just be a side character. <laughs> the, more people should have been side characters, including Buzz. Buzz <laughs> should be a side ca- character. Alicia Hawthorne. You don't have to be good character. at anything. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, what's your grade? I talk myself down. I, I can't give. I was gonna give it a B minus eighty. I talk myself down like seventy seven, seventy eight B uh, C plus. Probably where I'm at. I yeah. think again, there's uh, the highs are high, but the lows are the, the story issues are so prominent. I just can't go above that. Yeah, I was thinking of like an eighty B minus myself just because the visuals are so good. But you're probably right. It's probably more C plus than it is B minus in that range. Why, why can't we just love everything like everybody? I, else? I can't yell that now. My brother the other day I was like, "You just hate every movie." I'm like, I'm, "I don't want to." A C plus is still a strong movie. Like, yeah, we're like, yeah, this should be nominated for an Oscar, <laughs> and we just gripe for the next thirty minutes. We tried being positive at one point. I remember specifically being positive at one point in this episode. We were at one point we were positive. Yes, that's what maybe maybe this. Like I said at the top of the show, maybe this should have been a ten minute review inside an Oscar's <laughs> checkpoint. But life will find a way where we have to do stuff. Elvis, oh my God, Elvis is next. What are we going to do with that? That's the question. I saw a clip that he that Hank showed to Colbert on late night. It's going to be something. I think it's going to be all the things. <laughs> it might be all the gonna, things. It's just going to be all the things. It may, in all fact, the music. be all the things. <laughs> I even heard they cut out like a Nixon Elvis storyline. Oh, they should have left that in. <laughs> it could have been that thing, too, with the My- Michael Shannon movie, which was a good movie, Elvis and Nixon. Yeah. Oh, God. I forgot that was even made. Mr. I never President, saw that. I want to do some kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be that'll be our hook when we review Elvis. 
we'll just Buzz talk in our, our accents the entire time. Buzz Lightyear is just Kung Fu Elvis. That's all he is. <laughs> Guys, as always, what matters most to us are your thoughts. What are your thoughts about Lightyear? Do you plan on seeing Elvis? Have you seen Lightyear already? Let us know all of that as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have for anything we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review if you appreciate what we do we cannot thank you enough for doing that thank you to everyone who has done so already michael you said what's next what's uh what's some words of wisdom what else is on the docket for us coming up well keep supporting your local movie theaters maybe go to the smaller ones the indie ones Mm. out there i've been really enjoying uh greenwood features and bethel Hmm. michael i've been kind of making it a regular thing once a weekend i go to i see a little indie movie uh, I saw, what did I see last weekend? The one that won Venice two, uh, last year. Darn it. Happening. Live, live en mont. A French movie with one other guy in the audience. We were both very awkward. <laughs> what, is it it, almost, what is this theater called? Uh, Greenwood Features in Bethel. All right. So shout out to Greenwood Features and Bethel, Connecticut. And there's a lot of indie theaters out there that need our business and Let's go there as well as the big chains, which also need our business, AMC and Cinemark, etc. But Cinemopolis. Oh, by the way, the Tribeca theaters were awesome. All those New York theaters were awesome, which I saw movies at Tribeca with. Good. So, so go, go to those as well. Good. Glad to hear that. Uh, and there's there's more coming up. I We're really doing Elvis, huh? What else we do? Are we doing Cha Cha Real Smooth? Otherwise, we're doing Elvis. <laughs> we have well, we have to do Elvis. We do have to do Elvis. I do need to watch Cha Cha Real Smooth, but we have to do Elvis. I, I think we're in it to win it at this point. Well, we're in it. I don't know if anybody wins. <laughs> it's gotten good reviews, we'll right? I think it's got uh, mixed reviews. <laughs> There's, but here's the thing: if we didn't like Lightyear, yeah. Are we going to like Elvis? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, well, we didn't dislike Lightyear, but we're just we're just old curmudgeons. My we're expectations the, uh... are at the perfect point to be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a house of Gucci. Oh, man. Will, but but, but we have it. to see that. T- I, like, I need someone to, to throw jokes off of if it's like that. All right. Well, tell me when you're going to see it. Maybe <laughs> we can do it together. Guys, when reality or... Possibly the next movie you watch sucks. You can come make fun of it all with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya.